so good to see you. Please turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 7. While you're turning this morning, while you're turning, we all have questions like, how can I find God? Right? We have questions like, what is God's will for my life? I remember asking that as a young man and hoping to find answers. We all have that. And so, this morning, we're going to be addressing these questions that plague Christians by talking about the subject, how can we know if we're on the right path with the Lord? Because so often we wonder that. We wonder, am I doing the right thing? Is this where God wants me to be? Am I doing the things I'm supposed to be doing? Is this the ministry I'm supposed to be in? And how do we know that? How can we figure that out? Because sometimes it seems like God is silent, right? It seems like we can't find Him. and We pray and it seems like we're the only one doing the talking. And so I wanted to help you with that this morning from this passage. And so we're going to pick up in verse 13 of Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to read all the way down to verse 29. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inward are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from bushes, from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then, you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against the house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and the slammed against the house, and it fell, and great was its fall. When Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority, and not as their scribes. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these words, and Father, it seems as we read this, there's a lot of ground here, but Father, we see in the middle of this the theme of how you work and how you speak and how we can be where you want us to be. And so, Father, I pray as we make our way through these verses, I ask you to speak to our hearts. I pray that you will give each one of us what you've intended for us this morning. And so we thank you for the gift of your presence 
for the gift of your word, and for the gift of spiritual insight that comes from the Holy Spirit. And so we thank you for this opportunity to dig in together and to hear from you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning, to discover if you're on the right path with the Lord, we'll need to examine a few things. We'll have to examine our relationship. We're going to examine our outflow and our foundation. And so it's really easy to travel through this life and just want facts and information from God. And want Him to deliver when we want Him to deliver. And we want Him to show up when we want Him to show up. But here's the thing. With God, He is always there. He is always talking to us. He is always communicating. There are times in our life that we want to hear Him greater than other times. There's times that we kind of feel like things are okay. And then there's times we're like, Lord, where are you? And so as we walk our way through here, there's some boxes for us to kind of check off and see where we're at in the journey. And we begin with our relationship. Do you have an actual relationship with the Lord? He talks about a narrow gate and a wide gate. He talks about there being broad is the way that, that finds the wide gate. Many go through that gate, but only a few find the narrow gate. And so there's a situation that takes place in life with mankind where God is trying to reach out to all of us to be saved. He reaches out to all the world to be saved. We are told in his word that it's God's will that none should perish. He does not want anybody to not come to know him. But we also know there are people who aren't going to receive him. They're going to go their own path. They're going to go their own direction. They're going to come up with something that they're comfortable with as far as their spiritual health. That's not the narrow way. The way that God laid out for salvation. And so we are told to enter through that narrow gate. And so he references, he references the gates, the wide and the narrow gate. And what is going on is the way to destruction has a wide gate, a broad way. Many find it. You see, there's a lot of people that go that direction. We see it all the time. If you were to ask most of America... If they were a Christian, they would say yes. They would say yes, but they don't know anything about Jesus Christ. They've never met him. They've never turned their life over to him. They, some people explain, you know, it's all about doing good or it's about going to church. Or some people have even told me I was born in the U.S. That's why I'm going to heaven. And I'll tell you this, being born here doesn't give you a ticket to heaven. Being born again does. And so we have a choice. We have a choice. You know, we don't like narrow gates and narrow doors. We like broad and encompassing and all. And that was the cross. But the gate which we go through is a narrow one. And there's only few who find it. The way to life has a small gate. A small gate can be uncomfortable, uncertain, and sometimes seem impossible. Have you ever looked at something small and go, I ain't getting through that? <laughs> I've done that with some old jeans. I ain't going to get in those. <laughs> and you just go, well, that ain't going to fit. That ain't going to work. And we look at those things and we go, that's impossible. But those who are, are pursuing life go through that gate. And so the implication is that many are pursuing, but only few actually end up on the right path. 
It's not, it's not about being good. It begins with Him. It begins with Him. It begins with a relationship with Him. Do you know Him? If you want to be on the right path, it begins by having a, an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ where you have turned your life over to Him, asked Him to save you, confessed your sin, and He enters into your life. He gives you your brand new creation in Christ. You receive the Holy Spirit who speaks to you, who leads you into all truth, convicts you of sin, and you begin on this journey. Because if you don't have Him leading you, how would you know that you're on the right path anyway? And so it begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ. But then we're told to check the outflow. In verses 15 through verse 23, we're to be discerning who we listen to. And he gives some tests here. See, because we're all, if you go down to the Christian bookstore, there is a whole rack filled with how to discover God's will for your life. So if it wasn't confusing before, it'll definitely be confusing after you go down there. And the funny thing is, there's only one person who knows that. And that's God. He's the one who knows what his will is for your life. But we don't check with him. We don't find out. We don't wait on the answer. We're so anxious to know. And what we really mean when we say that is, what, am I, what decisions am I supposed to be making for career and, the, and ministry and those kind of things? But we don't ever take the time to dig into his word and find out what he actually tells us to do on our daily basis in our lives. See, that has to be in place before we can be on that path and journey because that's how you impact people. Uh, because of the transformation that takes place from walking with him. That's what touches them. And being on the path, being on the journey with him, he works in sanctification in your life. He changes you from the inside out. And the world gets to see that. And they get hope in him. They discover hope in him by that journey. And then there are moments where he says to speak. Moments where he says to not speak. To be quiet and listen. How many people have just... How many of you have just ever been sometime in your life... You just... You didn't want to share. You were in a bad place. You wanted to share. But you didn't want to share because you didn't want somebody to judge you. You ever been there? You just wanted to talk to somebody that would just sit there and love you and just let you talk, right? Sometimes that's God's will for us. Because the truth is, in those moments, we know that most of the time, 80% of the time, we know the answer, right? We just need to get it out. And want somebody to love us enough that would sit there with us and say, I care about you enough to hear you. You can be that person. Now don't do it because you get to be that person. Do it because you love the other person. Do it because they matter. Do it because God needs you to do that. And so the outflow, be discerning. He gives us some tests and warning here. He tells us, beware of false prophets. We're to judge them by their fruits. Look at what they produce, not what they say. Look, there are false prophets out there today, ladies and gentlemen. They are out there. They are peddling this stuff that is, it's, 
It's not scriptural. I was showing, there's some, there's some TV commercials out there you can watch. You can get you a little packet of the water if you want. Where they're peddling Christianity as a, as a money-making scheme. Or then there's people that just want you to follow them. Because they have the answers. That's how guys like, and we sit there in our mind and we go, how can anybody follow guys like David Koresh? But there were people who followed them to their death. But you look at what people do, not what they say. Look at the life choices. Look at the fruit. See, here's the thing. Here's the thing with false prophets. Let me give you an indicator. False prophets want you to follow them instead of following Jesus. Have you noticed that? We're followers of fill in the blank. David Koresh. We're followers of Jim Jones. We're followers of Mr. Moon. False prophets want you to follow them instead of Jesus. And so that's an indication. If you want to be on the path with God, we have to discern those who are from God, right? Otherwise, we're going to get off track. Now, here's the subtle part of that. There are false prophets out there today that believe they're really doing God's will. That are teaching thousands of people this morning to try harder. To serve God more. That your problem is you don't have enough faith. You ever been down that journey? <coughs> I'm, I know I'm making you uncomfortable, but that's on purpose. Because here's the thing. We have not been called to try harder. We've been called to trust wholeheartedly. And when we trust wholeheartedly, He guides us in every one of those moments in our path and our journey with Him. We don't memorize Scripture to get the details and all that. We memorize and seek and read and go through God's Word to know Him. It's about Him, not about us. And so when we pursue Him, to know Him, He's going to give us... Somebody said this morning, if we delight in the Lord, He'll give us the desires of our heart. When, we, when He is our delight, He's going to give us Himself. You go, How does this, what does this have to do with being on the right path? That is the right path. Well, but what am I supposed to do about this and about men? He will show you. Your heart will overflow with the things he wants you to do. But the number one thing he's got to know is, does he have your heart? Because without that, it's just, it's just show, right? 
I can say anything I want. I can tell somebody I love them, but if they don't have my heart, is it true? No. And so when you walk through here, if you look at the outflow, we have to consider that. See, in the end, those who want you to follow them and not the Lord, these false prophets, they'll consume you. Because it's about them. They have, there's a never, there's a, there's a, because number one, they have no way to fill you back up the way the Lord does. And there's an endless need. And so religious service, prophecy, and, and he even uses it here. It says, it's, it's in the verses, folks. Religious service, prophecy, casting out demons, performing miracles in his name does not mean someone is on the path with the Lord. If we saw somebody cast demons out, we'd go, oh man, they're a God. Biblically, that ain't true. Amen? Well, they're healed. Oh, they must be of God. That's not true. What did Jesus tell them? Depart from me, for I never knew you. We have to be careful who we listen to. I am seeing an eroding of the standard of Scripture today. I am watching it. And if I am one man with his finger in the dike, I'm going to sit, I'm going to stand there, and I'm going to keep my finger in it. Because I am watching people change the meaning of Scripture based upon their circumstance so they can justify what they want to do. And let me tell you something. We are not meant to change Scripture. Scripture is meant to change us. Amen. And so the second we start trying to change it to make it more palatable to us, then we are on the wrong path. God gave us his word for our good, not to hurt us, not to punish us, not to put us into boxes, not to oppress us. Because he tells us, if I set you free, you're free indeed. Amen. And so we get in this junk, this world is changing how we see God, how we understand our roles. In relationship to one another as the body, as husbands and wives, as parents and children. You know, you watch TV today, the parents are dumb and the kids know everything. Have you noticed that? Let me tell you something. Those who've gone before us that are down the road have some wisdom we can learn from. How many of you learn stuff from your grandma? I know you learned a lot from my grandma. <laughs> grandma and grandpa teach us tons of stuff. They sow into our lives, they know. I'll give you, I'll, you know what, I'm going to give you a real practical one. You know, they, how many of you ever tried to remove wallpaper? Anybody ever tried to? <laughs> I can tell because I hear it that the, yeah, I've done that. They sell all this stuff to turn the glue loose and all of that today, right? How many of you tried that? How many of it worked? 
Exactly. And so here's, here's an old grandma trick. If you mix 50% vinegar and 50% water and soak it down, the glue turns loose and it'll peel right off. Grandma knows. Grandma knows. Listen to grandma. The people who've gone before us know me. But the world is trying to tell us that somebody who's been on this earth six years knows more than somebody who's been on this earth 60 years. And it just doesn't work that way. We're being boiled alive, folks. We're being boiled alive by this world. And then we wonder why we're on the wrong path, why we can't find God. Because we're not paying attention, we're allowing this outflow problem, to, we're allowing people with an outflow problem to lead us. See, the answer is not religious service, folks. It's, it's being in tune with the Father and doing what He leads us to. You know, I think some of the greatest, the greatest Christians who ever lived, we never know about them. I think some of them were buried with calluses on their knees. Not all the fanfare and being in the the Capitol Rotunda. Who cares? Who cares? The only Rotunda I'm looking for is one in heaven. Where Jesus is high and lifted up. And I get to be in his prime getting goosebumps. Man, if that don't excite you, then you get a problem. <laughs> You're unexcitable. <laughs> Being in the very presence of the God who loved us so much, he said, let there be light. And he brought this thing together. This wasn't a big bang. The only reason I agree to that, say it was a big bang, because bang, God said it was here. He was the first Emiro Lagasse. <laughs> For those of you who don't know who that is, that's a chef who goes, BAM! <laughs> Y'all all gave me that look. <laughs> that's why there was a bang, because God showed up. God created this. Look around. Listen, elephants do not run into trees and create pianos. Design implies a creator. That's one of the arguments that explains the existence of God. And then we ignore all the other scientific arguments when we want to say, well, what about the, you know, the Bible, or the Bible. The scientific law says things move toward disorder, not to order. And when God created us, he created it with order. So the moon is in the perfect location to create tides and weather patterns to water the earth with the storms that come. Study it. We're told, you know, now we're getting off. I'm, man, I'm really getting off. But we're, we're told, we're here, all this global warming stuff. You know, it tells us in scripture that there will be no end to the seasons and years and all that. Until the time comes. And then my question on that issue is. What caused the ice age? And what caused it to warm up and us come out of it? If everything was frozen. There was no carbon emissions. 
the earth cycles, folks. That's just part of it. We want to look at a microcosm of the last 200 years. I'm talking about 6,000 years. It's just part of the deal. And part of that was because the, when we sinned and then we had Noah's flood, we were no longer protected by the waters that were surrounding the firmament. Some of this is, it, maybe that's where you can say that I do believe in global warming, that we caused it. We did when we sinned. That's interesting. See, I'm learning right in front of you. I mean, where's, there she is. She, she said, I got it. <laughs> I found out, because when I'm up here, sometimes sermon ideas will come to me when I'm preaching. And I found out that uh, Jeannie's been writing them all down. So, so they're, we're going to come around to it. I'm afraid to see the list. I think it's probably not. <laughs> and so check their outflow. Listen, listen, we need to be in tune with what God says. But you know, here's the thing. The foundation is important. How can I know that I'm building on a good foundation? That's the thing, right? If you don't have a good foundation, why build? Because everything you put on that is going to come apart. Have you ever been, anybody ever been through a house that had a severely cracked slab? <laughs> Your agent might even show me those. <laughs> I went to one where we walked in and actually my foot was like this high, this much higher. And there was a separation between the wall and the ceiling of that much. But that separation was caused because the foundation was bad. And so if we don't have a good foundation, we're going to have separation in, in areas that we're going to go, where did that come from? And that's what he's talking about here. Here's the thing. Do you hear God's word and act on it? Do you hear God's word and act on it? And we go, man, that was really good information. That was, that was insightful. Have you ever said that? Have you ever said that? I've said that after I was sitting in a church service before. And then I walked away, and I felt that I was glad I was there. But there was no change. And then there's times where I've been there, and I was like, man, that's, it changed me. That's when you're building your life on a foundation. When it, you allow it to change you. See, because the foundation changes the structure by definition, right? So when it changes you, you're building on a foundation. If you're allowing a good foundation to change you. Does your outflow survive the storms or does it crumble? So we have obedience to God and we have survivability. Am I obedient to God? Do I hear what he says and apply it? And does the work that he's doing through me survive? Or does it blow away with the wind? Because it said the winds blew and the house stood firm, didn't it? So when the wind is on, 
If it's got a good foundation, it'll survive. You know, we had a, we were building a shop out at, at, at our place, and we had somebody put columns out there for us. We didn't pay a whole lot to them. We paid like 600 bucks. And they used anchor bolts, but they didn't use wet concrete anchor bolts. They used the ones where you come back and drill and set it in there, where you hollow it out, put it down, which is the wrong bolts for that. And we had built this structure, and we had put some money into it. We had the frame up, and then those 70-mile-an-hour winds came through, and it blew over. It was very dangerous because there was a lot of spring in it and all of that. And so we very carefully took it back apart. And somebody wisely <coughs> said to me, they said, you know, you know what went wrong here? The first $600 you spent on this brought this building down. And they were right. Because we weren't building on a good foundation. We weren't building it. I didn't find out that's what they used until it came down. I should have been there. I should have went and bought it myself. Because then I would have known they were right. Lesson learned. But I'm telling you, if your foundation is not building on Jesus Christ, if you're trying to add into your life, you're not going to be on the path he wants you on. Because here's the thing. Jesus is not an add-on. He is the foundation. He is it. And so, are you making decisions based upon what His Word says, things that honor Him, or what you're comfortable with? Because our, does this book make you uncomfortable at times? Yeah. You know what? Too bad. Too bad. It's right and you're wrong. And that's true for me too. As it makes me uncomfortable at times too. Have you ever read a, a verse and went, oh no. Shoot. Oh no. There it is. It applies right to, oh no. That means now I got to do that. I've done it. <laughs> That's the way it works. And so we have to be careful how we're building. You know, he talks here, he said, what about the fall of the one that was built on the sand? And so why is the fall great for the man who does not act or build upon Christ or on his word? See, the reason it's so great, the reason he talks about that being a great fall is they were building their life on something other than the Lord. And all of that time and all of that effort was wasted. If we build on what we think makes sense to us instead of what God has said, it's all wasted. So you better go and do it God's way or don't do it at all. I'm going to tell you something. When you don't do it, you're not right. Because it's more comfortable for you. You're not right. You're wrong. And so am I. When I do that. 
And so how you can tell, how can you tell if it's truly, truly God's word that you're building on? Well, discernment. We know that God's word has authority. And when you build on the authority, it's going to survive because he says it will. And so if stuff falls down around you, it wasn't built right. But we don't want that, right? That's what we're trying to avoid. That's why we're here this morning. So the key to that is making sure he's the foundation of what you're doing, what you're building, what you're participating in. See, that's the thing. I've said from the beginning, if we don't build this church on Jesus Christ, what are we doing? It's got to be on him high and lifted up and what he wants to do in his people. It's about you and him. And then he leads you and leads us together in that. You're not joining something because of me. If you are, <laughs> that's not a good reason. <coughs> Believe me. <laughs> not a good reason. You better become a part of something because you sense that Jesus Christ is the center. You better become a part of something because Jesus Christ is leading you in it. Because he's the one who loves you so much that he died and gave his life for you. He has earned the right to speak and have authority in your life. And that is who we want to lift up. He said he'll draw all men unto him. He didn't say they'd all come. So I want to be a place that all men are drawn and got to make a decision on what they do with Jesus Christ. What will you do today? Because we're confronted with that. We're confronted, we're confronted every day and every decision we make is, am I following him or am I following me? And so if you want to know that you're right on the right path with the Lord, I'll give you a couple practical things. This is where we started. Have you been saved? Ask yourself, have I been? Well, I've been in church all my life. I don't care. I There's going to be people on church membership roles that go straight to hell. That membership role don't save you. Jesus Christ saved you. And if he hadn't saved you, you're lost. Well, I'm a pretty good person. I really have never really struggled with sin. Oh, really? How about confidence in self? See, that's where all sin originates from anyway. This is what Tom and I were talking about after our class. What is sin? Sin is doing life and trying to find a way to manage life outside of God. That's why it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so we've been saved. Let's get honest. Have you ever confessed to the Lord that you're a sinner, put your faith in Jesus Christ and meant it? And then noticed a difference after? Have you ever done that? The things you loved changed. Your understanding of him grew. You were different. It wasn't just a prayer. You knew you meant it. I never want to take for granted that we're saved. Because listen, 
There's a lot of religious folks in this world. We can put on a good show, but there ain't no life. There was a tree, I mean, Jesus cursed it, that had leaves. It was in season. It was able to produce the leaves, but it couldn't produce the fruit. So it put on a good show, but there wasn't no fruit. And Jesus cursed it, and the next day they saw what it really was. It was dead. And so be careful. Check it. Be honest with yourself. If you're unsure, get sure. We don't have to be hoping so when we can be knowing so. He said, he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. These things have I written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. He wants us to know, not to hope so. And so are you saved? Number two, has God approached you about service? Or has it been you trying to figure it out? You see, if you're saved and willing to obey God, God approaching you will be as natural as breathing. Well, and listen, I feel you on this. So I'm, I'm, I know the pain this is causing. Well, I just don't hear God talk to me. He doesn't talk to me. You talk about that all the time, and I feel bad every time you do, Pastor. I've been there. I've, I've sat in those chairs and heard and had that conversation with How do you think I know about it? And I wanted so bad to hear from God and do what God wanted me to do. And I'm going to tell you what flipped it for me. This is the reality. When I said I'm willing to do whatever you tell me and I'm going to show up. And I, I remember telling him, the night I went back to, to church. And I had gotten out of church, believe it or not. And I said, Lord, if you open a door, I'll go through it. And I was in college, and this lady came up to me. She said, you look like you're college age. She handed me a flyer. She said, we're having this event. And the Lord said, there's your door. That was the phrase I heard in my mind. And I'm like, oh. Because that was the exact words I used. And I went through it and I never looked back. Isn't that funny? That's how God and I relate though. He gives me a little bit of space and if I get kind of cranky with him, he'll ask me if, if, he, if I want him to respond in the same way. And it's like, oh, I don't know, let me change my attitude. <laughs> but he gives me that space to self-adjust <laughs> like he does all of us, right? And so, has he approached you? Listen, you don't have to work it up. You don't have to work it up because some preacher says you've got to get more committed. We need to get right with God and get to work. That's not how it works. When we are right with God, he leads us every day in the things. He leads us into church ministry. It's just an outflow. Pastors are so afraid to trust God themselves with this and with his people that they try to take that role. And I think it's a mistake. I think it's a mistake. I trust that God can speak to you. And I trust that you're going to have to make a decision whether you obey him or not. 
And I want to be here to celebrate if you do, and if you don't, help you pick up the pieces and get back on the journey. Not to condemn you, but to get down there in the rubble with you after you made the wrong decision. Not to say, well, why did you do that? That's what everybody thinks the preacher's job is. That's not my job. Holy Spirit's really good at that. I trust Him. My job is to say, I'm so sorry this is where you are. Let's start today. And, let's, and I'll walk, I'll take your arm and you'll take mine and we'll go one step at a time. And we'll walk together. That's what the scripture teaches. Not this junk that's in the church today. What's the one thing everybody thinks churches are? Judgmental. There's just judgmental. Are they wrong? Now, do we compromise truth? Never. We never compromise truth. But we also don't not see the person either. That's the balance. And it can be difficult, especially in moments when we've made... Yeah, I mean, has anybody here ever made the wrong choice? Done the wrong thing? It had consequences? And you're like, oh no! I hope those church people don't find out! <laughs> How many of you have ever had somebody that could have really given it to you say, you know what, it's okay. I'll be there for you. Man! Doesn't that build credibility? Don't you want to hear what they have to say then? That's what grace does. Grace creates teachability. Judgment creates resistance. And when we demonstrate, we ought to be a church full of grace, not compromise. Grace doesn't compromise the truth. Jesus dying on the cross never compromised the truth. The penalty for sin was still the penalty. He paid it. <coughs> In full. To tell us die. It is finished. Paid in full. He paid it all. So that we can have grace. Let's not communicate that Jesus fell short. Three, if you want to be on the right path of the Lord, he becomes the reason you live. Doesn't the Bible say somewhere that our life is hidden with Christ and God? That he is our life? That we're joint heirs? We can't go, you know, family's family, right? We usually say that about that weird uncle Bob. Well, family's family. <laughs> but then we have extended family that we just love. We're so excited when they come, right? And that's where Jesus is. He's not weird Uncle Bob. He's family to us. And so why would we ever try to build life apart from him, who is life, who there's no life apart from him, and so 
We kind of want him to squeeze life into the things we want, but that's not how it works because he is life. And apart from them, there is no life. See, we confuse existence with life. Haven't you ever been somewhere and just, there was so much joy of God and you just went, man, now this is living. That's the way it is. It's not this other stuff. It's not this drudgery. We're, we're, the, the church today is teaching people how to survive drudgery. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it abundant. So did Jesus fail? No. No. Well, then why isn't my life abundant? That's what we're talking about this morning. The truth is, your life is abundant when you live in it. When you live in this thing that you want, that ain't your life. As he said, before the foundation of the world, we're he talks about works that God prepared before the foundation of the world. God knew what he wanted me to do. That's what we wanted him to do. Before he started, before he went, let there be light. He knew you by name. Before he said that. He knew you by name. He knew you were going to be created. You were already created in his mind. He knew you and created works for you. Don't you want to find out what that is and live in it? That's it, folks. Can you imagine? Ooh, this is exciting. Pay attention. Can you imagine a church full of people who are doing only what God had planned from the foundation of the world? What he could do? The power that would flow in that church? Let's be that church. Amen. Let's be the one. Jesus changed the world with 12 people. This morning, we have a few more than that. <laughs> we think that these churches can do, let me tell you something. A big church cannot do what a group of people completely sold out to Jesus Christ can do who are being obedient to him. Because when God's on our team, there ain't nobody bigger. <laughs> so let's forget about all this. Let's forget about the external measurements. Let's fall in love with him and with each other and walk this journey together. Let's be on the right path. Let's be on the path that he has for us. And so he becomes the reason that we live. He is our essence. He consumes our thoughts and intents and we're drawn to him. And so it is who you are. And so are you on his path or yours? You know, I, went, I remember the very first Southern Baptist Convention I went to. It was in Dallas. And I was a late ad because I wasn't going. How many of you ever been to Dallas, right? How many of you ever driven in Dallas? How many of you love driving in Dallas? One. All right, I got to talk to you. Because I am on the other end of that kaleidoscope. And that's the way the signs look to me. Because every time I follow one in Dallas, it leads me somewhere that it doesn't, it doesn't tell you about. I was getting on the, the freeway, and I took the exit. They said, exit here. And I ended up in the neighborhood. So I was completely confused. So anyway, so I was going to this thing. And I could see it. But every 
road leading, every road that was around it led away. It was a one-way street going away from it. And I got so turned around, I was going the wrong way on a one-way. In Dow, downtown Dallas. It was six lanes wide, and there I was, and there the traffic came, and they went, and I went, they stopped, and I stopped, and graciously, they let me go around, and then I finally made it there. But see, that's what happens when we trust ourselves. We go the wrong way on one way. Because we think we're headed for something great. And what we're doing is we're going the wrong way. And so the question is this morning, are you going the wrong way or are you going with him? We need to align with him. That is the right way, the only way. And I hope that you'll choose him. Let's be that church. We don't need numbers. We need what God wants. And if I could lock arms with each one of you this morning and pray that together, I would absolutely do that. Down here together, we don't need a ton. But God can do with one person what the rest of the population couldn't do without it. We need to get a new view so we can get on the correct path. I'm in. I'm in.